It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome back to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. I'm going to share a title for God's people today that has personally been a real spiritual awakening to me concerning my responsibility in the kingdom and the authority I have as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe it will impart this same kind of revelation to you. There's over a thousand names and titles that belong to the children of God. Some reveal aspects of our inheritance that we need to claim. Other titles reveal certain character traits that we need to develop. And still others reveal certain responsibilities we need to assume. And the latter is the case for this particular title. We are referred to as ambassadors for Christ, or if you wanted to put it in a more Hebrew-based terminology, we are messengers for the Messiah. Ambassadors for Christ or messengers for the Messiah. Let's go to the scripture. The foundational passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, messengers of the Messiah. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. In other words, we say to you what he would say if he were here talking to you. What a responsibility that my hands should be his hands extended, that my mouth should be a passageway through which his voice can speak into your life. This is just intense to me. And the message is not judgment. The message is not condemnation. The message is not rejection. The message is reconciliation. Now let's go to some definitions that I believe we need to bring forth in order for you to have a better understanding of what God has called you to. First, the definition of what it is to be an ambassador. If you were to go to a dictionary, you'd find out that ambassadors are representatives, messengers sent on a specific mission those who speak not their own minds, but the mind and the will of those nations, organizations, or persons that they represent. Not your own mind, but the mind of Christ. So a prerequisite for being a good ambassador is to have an awakening of the mind of Christ. You may say that's impossible. No, that's scriptural. Because Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. It's not something we want to seek after, but more so something we need to yield to because it's already resident within us. Now, the definition of reconciliation or what it is to be reconciled. 
Reconciliation means restoration to a former right relationship, a former right and harmonious relationship. And certainly we needed that because we were enemies of God through wicked works and through a mind that was filled with carnal bondage. And then the change took place in our lives and we were brought into friendship with God. From enemies to friends, that's what happens when reconciliation takes place. Now, let's go to the passage in which this particular title scripture is found. I want to read from verse 17 to verse 21 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians because I believe it will give you a more full, round view, a more complete view of the beauty of this calling, the power of this calling, the challenge of this calling. Let's begin with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's you. That's me. That's something happened to us when we came into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where he became the head of our lives and now we are in Christ, in the body of Christ, where the creative life of God flowed down into our dead spirits and recreated it with a brand new spirit and we became new creations in Christ. Praise God. The next verse says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep that in your minds, that you and I have received the ministry of reconciliation. We all have that. That's a common calling to every single child of God. We are called to minister reconciliation to fallen humanity, to everyone we meet who has been estranged from God because of the curse of Adam that passed down to them, the curse of death, the curse of separation from God, and their own personal walk in darkness that separated them even more from the Creator. But you and I have this lamp, this light to shine in their lives of reconciliation, The possibility of that taking place is miraculous. The next verse, verse 19, says, That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So this is the passion of God, the heart of God, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So now... God's added to it. We have the ministry of reconciliation, but we're not just grabbing for ideas out of the air. We have the word of reconciliation. We have God-inspired passages of Scripture that prove anyone can be forgiven and restored to a right and harmonious relationship with God. How beautiful is that? How wonderful is that? Next, our foundation verse, verse 20 says, Now then because we've received the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. You don't get that picture all the time in every sermon you hear preached. It doesn't sound like God is pleading with people. It sounds like we're 
pleading with people to somehow line up with God. But instead, it's our voice pleading with people from God to be reunited with him. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Next verse. For he made him to be sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's absolutely miraculous, amazing, marvelous, wonderful, awe-inspiring that you, a sin-stained child of darkness, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. God's not imputing your trespasses unto you. He's imputing righteousness to you. That's absolutely incredible. No, I I shouldn't say incredible because the word incredible means beyond belief. No, that needs to be within the realm, within the boundaries of belief, because to receive it, you have to believe in it. Now, there are seven characteristics of a good ambassador. And the Bible says that a good ambassador brings health. In other words, healthy relationships, healthy Uh, relationships between nations, healthy relationships between organizations, healthy relationships between people, and of course, healthy relationships between the creator of the universe and those he has created. So my job as an ambassador is to take sick relationships, defiled relationships, divisions, and breaks in relationship and somehow repair them. So these are the seven main characteristics of a good ambassador. Number one is selflessness. Because if I really represent God, then I'm not going to speak my own mind. I'm going to speak his mind. And it's different for each individual. The Bible said some make a difference, having compassion, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So With some people, you need to speak with compassion and pity and reach out to them with tenderness and a peaceful approach. And others you need to be firm with and strong in asserting uh, the, the declaration that their life is on the edge of destruction if they don't turn around and turn toward the cross. So I do acknowledge that every situation demands a different response, and an ambassador is sensitive to that. An ambassador doesn't speak his own mind. He's sensitive to God's approach in every individual situation. So number one is selflessness. Number two is authority, because an ambassador carries the authority of those who have sent him. Take an example of an ambassador of the United States being sent to a hostile nation. Well, in the embassy in that nation, that ambassador has the shared authority of the president, the vice president, the cabinet, the Congress, the Senate, all the leaders of the United States. Their authority is combined together and lent to that ambassador. So he carries an enormous amount of power or authority with him. Well, what about you? 
The kingdom of heaven backs up what you have to say. The king of that kingdom backs up what you have to say. The angels that are sent by the king to protect you back up what you have to say when it's truly of the Lord. What authority? You have the authority to change people's lives radically, to change circumstances radically, to change the direction of people's lives radically from a carnal, selfish, egotistical will to the will of God. Praise God. Number three is diplomacy. A good ambassador knows how to weave his way around oppositions to find a connecting point. That doesn't mean compromise, but it does mean using the wisdom of God. The Bible said, he that wins souls is wise. 50 years ago, over 50 years ago, actually, I was a New Ager. I embraced a Far Eastern worldview. I believed in Hinduism, Sikhism, certain elements of Buddhism. I taught yoga at four universities in Florida. I was very deeply involved in the study of meditation and yoga myself. And so I understand how to reach people in that mindset. And I know that if you come across with a critical, judgmental, this is wrong, it's of the devil attitude, most New Agers will turn you off automatically. That doesn't mean I deny those things, but it does mean that as a diplomat of heaven, I use diplomacy and I skirt certain things, certain issues that I know will only produce friction and will not promote the cause of Christ. So a good ambassador is someone with the mindset of diplomacy. Number four, a good ambassador has to be a person of stability because you're going to face very challenging situations where people try to rock your boat and people try to make you deny fundamental principles to fit their worldview. And you've got to be stable in what you believe and stable in what you stand for. Number five, a good ambassador has got to be a person of patience because usually change doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you're right at the right place at the right time with the right person and the right message, and bam, it happens just like that. But more often than not, your outreach to people takes weeks, months, even years before the weight of what you've said finally has its impact. So you have to patiently and lovingly endure all the times of rejection in order to persist until acceptance comes. Well, an ambassador has to do that. He doesn't get his way with uh, foreign diplomats or foreign governments right away. He has to work his way around all the areas of opposition until agreement is found. Faithfulness. I guess one lends to the other. Stability and patience lends itself to the quality of faithfulness. Because, well, faithful means full of faith. And if you really believe in who you are, if you really believe in who you represent, if you really believe in the importance of your message, the word of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation, then you'll be faithful to it. You'll stick with it when rejection comes, when ridicule comes, 
when people laugh you to scorn, you still smile with the love of God in your eyes, and you say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by him. Not for the sake of you being right, like you're asserting your opinion, but for the sake of their souls being restored and delivered. Finally, number seven, an ambassador is a person of influence. They have the power to influence change. I like to say it this way. It's a popular way of saying it, that you become a history maker and a world changer. Think of the people in the history of our nation that have done miraculous things in restoring relationships with nations that used to be our enemies. And of course, I'm not going into all the political things that are behind the scenes, but still, I think it's amazing to me that apparently, supposedly, two of our strongest allies are Germany and Japan, the very ones that attacked our nation back in the last century. So reconciliation is possible even in some very tough cases. I've seen people who were estranged from God to a deep degree come to him in a marvelous salvation experience. I've seen gang leaders saved. I've seen prostitutes get right with God. When we took witnessing teams out into the drug districts of different towns, I've seen atheists change their mind. I've seen people who discredited Christianity altogether embrace it. So I'm an influencer and you're an influencer if you are an ambassador. Next, let's define another word I used a little while ago, and that is the word impute. To impute means to lay to a person's charge or to reckon to his account. And the Bible said when Jesus came into this world, he was heaven's ambassador to the highest degree. He did not impute our trespasses unto us. He did not reckon to our account the history of our life that would have condemned us before the throne, but instead as our advocate, he imputed his own righteousness to us, which he imparted to us at the cross. That's the message of a good ambassador's imputation, God imputing to us, not amputation, but imputation. God could have amputated you from any hope of ever being united to God, but instead he imputed to you the righteousness that was resident within the heart and life of the firstborn son. And now you have that. Praise God for that. That's absolutely amazing. Now, let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. It contains a powerful truth about reconciliation. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let me stop right there. There's an old poem. It's a little four-line poem that I love to quote when I'm talking about reconciliation. Here it is. Near to God, nearer I cannot be. For abiding in Christ, the Son of God, I am as near as he. Dwell on that. I am as near as he. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, talking about Israel 
and the Gentile nations, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition, the middle wall of separation, the New King James says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, from Israel and the Gentile world, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. What's this middle wall of partition, this middle wall of separation? Well, historically, it it's recorded that there was a wall separating the area in the Temple Mount where the Jews could go when they came to worship, and the court of the Gentiles. And there was a middle wall of separation, middle wall of partition, with a curse chiseled into the wall, pronouncing death on any Gentile who dared to enter in to the court of the Jewish people, the court of the Israelites. That's changed radically because now both Jew and Gentile, through the washing of the blood of Jesus and through the born-again experience, can be ushered in not just to the outer court, but to the holy of holies, where no one was allowed to go but the high priest. But our great high priest went into the holy of holies in heaven and now welcomes us all into his presence because we've all been reconciled in one body. That's miraculous. Now let me talk about final reconciliation and then I'm going to end There is a scripture in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, that says, It pleased the Father that in Christ, that in him, all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. I have discussed what I consider to be a heretical doctrine with those who embrace it called the ultimate reconciliation of all things. And often they base their belief on that particular scripture because remember it said he would reconcile all things to himself. So they say that includes the devil, that includes Adolf Hitler, that includes every wicked person. So everyone is going to heaven and everyone will be saved, universal salvation. And even the devil will be restored to his original state. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Well, you may say it says all things there. Doesn't it mean all things? That's a qualitative statement. There's a certain implied limitation. Just like the statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, there's an implied limitation to that statement. Because if it was open-ended and all things literally meant absolutely 100% all things, that means you could lift up the Empire State Building with your little finger. Well, of course you can't do that. Or you could leap over the Atlantic Ocean in one single bound from South America to Africa. Go ahead and try it and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, the statement all things has known and implied limitations attached to it. And it's balanced out by other things that you have to bring into the equation. Well, you have to bring into the spiritual or religious or word equation 
the other aspects of the Word of God, the other things that talk about what is truly reconcilable. And if people reject God, they're no longer reconcilable. Satan is no longer reconcilable. And so demons are not going to be turned back into angels. I absolutely reject that doctrine, that universal or final reconciliation of all things as being unacceptable and a perversion of the Word of God. But all reconcilable things will be reconciled. And Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 talk about this same event. It's called the restoration of all things. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So there's coming a day when this planet will become a paradise once again. And you and I will be the glorified saints restored, reconciled back to Adam's original calling, which was dominion over what God had given him. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels, a little lower than God. And you've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over all the works of your hands. Yes, our message is reconciliation, and it extends all the way to that goal of being reconciled to the original calling of dominion, ruling and reigning with God in a restored paradise world. That's my message. I am an ambassador for Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ, and we need to go out and change the world around us. Thank you for listening. I pray that you've been blessed, and I hope that you continue your study of the names and titles of the children of God. You can order the book, Who Am I?, from our website, shreveministries.org. And also, I have another series called Our Glorious Inheritance. And right now, Volume 3 and Volume 6 are available. The others are in the process of being redone. But you can go into even greater depth. The Who Am I book is more of a... uh, a devotional type of layout where you can read it in just a few minutes and you can take it as a weekly devotional. It's 52 chapters long, but our glorious inheritance goes into much, much greater depth and detail. For you that really want it, I would suggest getting volume three of our glorious inheritance on shreveministries.org. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.